the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So we're fooling around with these things that God says don't do, while infinite joy that he has for us is available to us. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Well, we're going to be in the book of Jude. Jude is this little sliver of a book. It's only one chapter long, one chapter. And it's right before the book of Revelation. So if you go all the way to the end, go all the way to the right and back up one book. It's right before the book of Revelation. And again, I entitled this message, Sin's Origin. So tonight we're going to consider this origin or the very beginning of sin. Now, the word sin in the Bible means an offense. It's when you do something wrong. Its basic meaning is to miss the mark. It was kind of an archery term in the Bible. So it'd be like you trying to hit the bullseye and you miss the target. Okay, so it's missing the mark. It's to not follow the right path. It says in Proverbs 19, 2, it says, It is not good for a person to be without knowledge, and he who makes haste with his feet sins. What he's trying to say there is, he who follows the wrong path will always miss the mark. So if you're on the wrong path, you will miss the mark. Webster's Dictionary puts it like this, Sin is an offense against God, against religion, against morals, and the Bible establishes this fact that every single human being has sinned. There's no human that has ever lived without sin, except for, of course, Jesus. He was the God-man, and he never sinned. But everyone else, oh, you've sinned. Now, some more than others, and we know who you are, but we won't mention you, <laughs> but some more than others. But the Bible says in Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, chapter 7, verse 20, says, indeed, there is not a righteous man or a righteous woman on earth who continually does good, who never sins. So there's people that do good, but not continually. Everyone sins. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 9 says, who can say, I have cleansed my heart, I am pure from any sin. Who can say that? Well, how about nobody can say that? Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So God just says, look, now I know people want to look at people. This is, you know, man outside of Christianity. Man wants to look like we're basically good people and we might have a little mess up here and there. And God says, no, here's reality. We've all sinned. You've all fallen short, every single person. So God doesn't try to candy coat anything. He just says it like it is. But the question again is, where did it all start? Where did sin originate? Do we just go back to the Garden of Eden and blame it all on Adam and Eve? Well, it is true. We can trace the origin of sin for humanity 
back to the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve, as they ate of the forbidden fruit that God told them not to eat. He says, look, there's, there's all kinds of fruit. There's every kind of fruit you can imagine, and maybe even some fruits that we don't even know today. And he says, you can have everything you want. There wasn't a list of the Ten Commandments. You know, there wasn't any of these. There was just one rule. Don't eat of this one tree. That's it. You can have everything else. You can do whatever you want to do. Just don't eat of this one tree. And of course, that's what they did. They ate of the one tree. You know, so we go all the way back. They ate of the forbidden fruit, which caused every one of us, since that was the original man, the original woman. So when they came together and started having children, guess what? Well, that sin nature was in their very DNA, and it was passed on to every human being. That's why all of us have sinned. And they're like, how can you argue with that? How can anyone argue with that? Because everyone's messed up. Everyone's done things that are wrong. So how can you argue with it when, you know, you're just guilty? That's why we all have dual natures, you could say. One that desires to do right. Don't we have that? Like we want to do good. But then we have this other side that kind of does bad. So it's like a civil war that's happening inside of us. I like the way the Bible puts it in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. He says, But I say to you, walk in the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These two are in opposition to one another that you may not do the things that you please. So we have this like civil war going on inside. There's a part of us that wants to do right. I want to do right. I want to be a good boy. I want to be a good girl. But then there's this other side that's a little devious and it wants to walk on the edge. This is the reason why Jesus exhorted us to pray for ourselves like this. He says in Mark 14, 38, he says, Keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I want to do what's right. My spirit is like, I want to be a good boy. I want to be a good girl. I want to please the Lord. But the flesh is weak. Isn't it amazing how we can be doing really good and everything's just good, then all of a sudden we just kind of fall into a pit. We kind of do something we shouldn't have done. We, we talk about someone we shouldn't have talked about. We threw someone under the bus. Someone started gossiping about someone. Then we jumped on the wagon and we're talking with them. Then all of a sudden we say something we shouldn't have said. And then it comes back on us. Did you say this about me? Uh, uh, yes. Oops. And we're just guilty. It just happens. We, we fall. The flesh is weak. Because, again, we have a tainted DNA inside of us. Yet know this, we're responsible for the sin nature that's inside of us. We're responsible. For example, when we are tempted to do something wrong and we're caught in the act, you know, like telling a lie, we can't just say, well, you know, it wasn't really me. It was a sin nature that was inside of me. Or if we get caught stealing something, we can't tell the policeman, oh, I'm sorry, that wasn't really me. It was a sin nature inside of me. It's like, uh, uh uh-huh, okay. Uh, My sin nature likes expensive things that I can't afford. And, you know, guess what? You're going to be accompanying your sin nature to jail, okay? Yes, without question, our sin nature, it entices us. It tells us we need things that maybe we don't need. It tests us. It becomes an enemy to our soul. It seems to be well aware of our weaknesses, those things that we're most subject to. And it could be different for all of us. What maybe tempts me doesn't tempt you. What tempts you might not tempt me. But it's the things that will try to destroy us. It was C.S. Lewis that said this quote, Our Lord finds our desires not too strong, 
but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drinking, sex, ambition, with infinite joy is being offered. So, So we're fooling around with these things that God says don't do, while infinite joy that he has for us is available to us. You know, some people have told me like, ah, you Christians, you're just all bound up. You know, it's like, it's all these thou shall nots, thou shall nots. Like, uh, really? I mean, when you read the Bible, it's like everything that God warns us about will eventually hurt us. So God says to married couples, don't go sleep with somebody else's wife. So he says to you husbands, don't go sleep with someone else's wife. He tells you wives, don't go sleep with someone else's husband. Now you might say, well, I feel restricted by that. What's with the Bible telling me thou shall not? It's like, well, God's just trying to keep you from going and sleeping with someone else's wife and that husband coming and killing you for doing that, okay? He's trying to spare the misery of breaking up another marriage. You'll not just break up one, you'll break up two because when it's found out your marriage is over and the other marriage is over. And so, you know, God's trying to spare us from pain. Thou shall not kill. Oh, I can't believe it. God is really holding me back. God says, don't kill someone because then you're going to go to jail for the rest of your life. You know, the Bible tells us thou shall not steal. I can't believe that. He's restricting me. So when people come to me with all these thou shall not, God is trying to keep us on a straight and narrow path and keep us out of jail and out of being killed by someone for the foolishness that we do. Yes, as many of you know, the payoff that sin promises is satisfaction, right? Oh, yeah, if I I go do this, I know it's wrong, but it'll be so much fun. But that satisfaction never seems to last. It always just leaves us wanting more, right? You start dabbling in the drugs, it's just a little bit at first, and oh, it's kind of fun, it's tantalizing, I got a little buzz off that, oh, that's so cool, and then you get in a little deeper, then all of a sudden that little drug that you're dealing with, it doesn't seem to keep the buzz long enough, so you get into something a little heavier, then a little heavier, and then after a while, you're a complete waste product, you can't even get yourself into work anymore, because you're all drugged out, and then you're a waste, and then you're trying to keep the drug habit up, you're stealing from people, you're stealing from your employer, you get fired, you're stealing from your parents, they kick you out of the house, and you're living on the street and you're just a waste product and it's just like oh i can't believe how god is restricting me uh no he's trying to keep you again in a safe place yes temptation promises us all kinds of things but yet it doesn't pay off it's just nothing's changed i mean it's like decades ago i got a girl pregnant in high school so now here i am a high schooler in high school where the girl is pregnant uh I wasn't planning on that. Trust me, the satisfaction was not worthy of the mess that I was in as a high schooler. And it's like, well, I don't want to be restricted. It's like, there's a reason why God tells us no on things, and it's because he wants to protect us. That's what he does. Look, even little kids understand about sin. These five-year-olds describe sin this way. Sin is when I do bad things, like punch my sister in the face. That's right. You understand sin. (laughs) That's never a good thing. Another one said, sin is saying bad words and getting your mouth washed out with soap. Do parents do that anymore? 
You know, it's like, I, you know, it's like you, you know, there's no discipline anymore. That's why kids are getting away with everything. But back when I was growing up, I mean, there, that happened to all kinds of friends of mine. You, you said some bad word, it's like, oh, stick the tongue out, you know. And I remember it happened to me one time, and it's like my mom ground the soap bar into my tongue. It was in the pores. It's like, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's like you're trying to wash it out. I mean, it was in there forever. I mean, I'm tasting soap for the next 16 years. Anyway, no, it wasn't that bad, but it was horrible. But because there's no discipline anymore, kids are doing anything, and it's like, whatever. But without a doubt, sin can leave you with the worst feeling in the world. It's never worth what you did when you have the guilt and the condemnation and the shame that follows it. Remember when Cain, this is Adam and Eve's first son. He's the firstborn son, the first human that came out of two adults. He was disgruntled. And he was thinking about killing his brother Abel. Now, why was he thinking about killing his brother Abel? Well, because they both brought offerings. And when they brought the offering, God said he accepted Abel's offering, but he rejected Cain's offering. Now, it doesn't give a bunch of details why. But, you know, it's obvious that Cain gave what was the minimum. He gave what he didn't care about. See, it's not how much you give to the Lord. It's the attitude of the heart. The heart of the matter is always the attitude of the heart. And it's like, it matters because, you know, when you sit there and say, yeah, God, here, here, take my leftovers. Take what I don't want. Take what, you know, is junk to me. It's like, well, do you think God wants your offering when it's something like that? So something happened on those lines. So, you know, when we give something, we need to do it with a whole heart. And that's what God looks at. Everything that we do, like, well, it's not just what you did. It was what is the motive behind what you did. So anyway, Cain and Abel both bring offerings to the Lord. Abel, man, he, he must have went big. He said, you know, God, I, you know, I, I have all these animals. I'm going to give you the best. I'm giving you the blue ribbon. I'm giving you the trophy animal. I'm giving you the best thing that I have as an offering to you. And Cain was like a tiller of the field. He's like, yeah, well... Yeah, these are overripe, these are overdone, these are, you know, worthless, and I have no use for this. Here, God, take my leftovers. Well, so God just said, well, I, I don't accept that. So Cain gets mad. Now, does he get mad at himself because he was a slack jaw and gave God the worst? Oh, no, he didn't get mad at himself. He gets mad at his brother because God liked his offering. Like, why are you mad at Abel? Oh, I can't believe that. God, he's sucking up to God. Uh, what? You know, like... How, how does this even warp in your head like that? So he starts thinking, I want to kill my brother. I guess he's thinking like, if I get him out of here, then maybe God will like me. No, Cain, why don't you just give God what is good and then he'll have a relationship with you. Oh no, I want to kill my brother. What? This is insane. So God knows what Cain is thinking. So God comes and speaks to Cain. And this is what he says to him in Genesis 4, 7. He says, hey, Cain, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? But if you do not do well, then sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. But you must master it. So he's telling Cain, like, listen, listen buddy, I'm just telling you, these thoughts that you're entertaining in your head, if you don't get a grip on them, they're going to take you down. So you need to get a grip on them, and you need to do something about those thoughts. Well, of course, Cain didn't listen to God. He didn't listen to him at all. Know that sin and rebellion to God was way around before 
Adam and Eve came onto the scene. But we see it there with their first two kids as Cain ended up killing his brother Abel. But it was around way before that. Sin is to, it again means to step across or or go beyond a boundary or a limit that was set. And that's exactly what happened in heaven way before Adam and Eve were even created on the earth. So we're going to look at this small book of Jude. It's only one chapter long, as we said earlier. Let's look at our first point here. He said, I will, as we read starting in Jude, only one chapter here. So we're just going to look at verse six. So verse six says, and angels who did not keep their own domain, but they abandoned their proper abode. He has kept an eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Let's continue to read verse seven, just as Sodom and Gomorrah in the cities around them, since they, in the same way as these, indulged in gross immorality. So they were indulging in gross sexual sins and perversion. And they went after strange flesh and are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Yet in the same manner, these men also, by dreaming, defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesty. Uh, wow. But Michael, talking about Michael the archangel here, when he disputed with the devil and he argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. But these men revile the things which they do not understand and the things which they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals, by these things they are destroyed. Wow. So we're talking about men that look at things like unreasoning animals isn't that why we kind of embrace evolution? Oh, we, didn't, we weren't created in God's image. No, no, we all came from monkeys. Your great-great-grandfather's an orangutan, okay? Because if we can just lower ourselves to being just a, a hybrid version of an animal, then we don't have to be subject to the God that created us. But getting back to our title, Sin's Origin, we can see that it goes way back before Adam and Eve. We might not be able to pinpoint the exact time and place, but we do know this. It was rearing its ugly head long before the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, and it was happening with angels in heaven. Verse 6 says that the angels abandoned their own domain. We have the record of this back in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, where Satan desired to overthrow God's kingdom. So what do we have here? We have a mutiny in heaven. Yes, Satan was filled with envy. He was filled with jealousy and contempt. So again, Satan was the prize angel created in heaven. He was the top dog in heaven, but that wasn't enough for him. He had to have a little bit more. He's like, why should I serve under God? I just want to take over God. It says in Isaiah 14, 13, but you said in your heart, talking about Satan, I will ascend to heaven. Here's his I wills. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high God. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol. God comes in and says, oh, you think so? No, I'm going to cast you down to the recesses of the pit. See, he had eye problem. 
I will, I will. It's like, no, no, you're not going to do anything. In fact, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like a lightning bolt. So God came in and said, oh, I see what you're planning on. Here, how about this? (laughs) You're gone. (laughs) It's like your history, you're out of here. Notice the formal I wills of Satan. Understand, these could be said of us also, because we get pretty prideful and arrogant at times, who desire to live by their own plans, your plans instead of God's plans for this life. Five times Satan said, I will. He said, I will ascend. I will raise my throne above God's. I will sit on the mount. I will ascend above the heights. And I will make myself like God. Oh, how we also can get so caught up with ourselves, thinking that we are the whole bag of chips here. Thinking we are more than what we really are. Wanting more and more. I will step on whoever to get that job promotion. I will say whatever I got to say to make more money. I will do whatever it takes to get more. I just want more and more and more. Understand, the end of our lives will be determined by how we live by the whole of our lives. It's everything that will tell us how we're going to live in the next life. Everything we do and everything we say are extremely important because we will all leave a fingerprint of every aspect of our life and where we've been. So let me ask you here tonight. I wonder what kind of a fingerprint or a picture that you have left recently. A fingerprint of the kindness of integrity. Is that something that's part of your life? Kindness and integrity? Or has it been a fingerprint of pride and arrogance and doing your own will? You know, how have you treated those around you lately? What have you said to them? How have you acted? What kind of relationship do you have with your friends? What kind of a relationship do you have with your spouse if you're married? What kind of a relationship do you have with a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Are you harboring anger or unforgiveness towards them? Have you failed to show loving kindness to them? Are you sensitive to them or not? Have you been encouraging as a husband to your wives? Have you told them that you love them lately without wanting anything in return? Have you been encouraging as a wife to your husband? Have you told your husband lately that you're proud of him, that you're thankful that he goes to work every day and he's strong in your family, you know, that he's a good provider? Know this. One day, our lives will cease to exist. So, you know, you don't think about it when you're younger. I remember when I was 18, 19 years old, I never thought about not existing But, you know, as you get older, you're thinking like, well, I have less years in front of me than I have behind me, you know? So you start to think like, well, you know what? You know, you don't live forever. You know, one day you're not going to exist. And what will people say about you if you were not to exist? Especially with the world is today, the wheels are coming off. More and more violent crime is happening. You don't know when your last day will be. I hope you all live until you're 100 years old. But in case it gets cut short, how is it going to be for you? But getting back to Satan here, one day soon, his run will be over. We're told in Revelation chapter 20 that it gives us his end. He's going to be judged by God and he's cast into the lake of eternal fire forever and ever. And he'll be judged. In fact, by the way, when you think of hell, it's exactly what you think of. 
Hell is a fiery pit. It is a place of burning misery. It is misery upon misery. And just know that God, when he created hell, it was not for humanity. It was created for Satan and the demons who tried to mutiny in heaven back before human time ever started. And the only way that a human being can go to hell is to reject Jesus Christ. It's to say, I don't want your way of salvation. I don't want my sin forgiven. I don't want to follow you. I don't want to do any of that. I want to live my own life. Okay, well, you get a free ticket to hell then. And people will say, well, how can a God of love send people to hell? Like God came to the earth for wicked, sinful humanity. He himself was born as a man, Jesus Christ. He came for one reason, to be punished for our sin. So when they hung him on the cross and they nailed him to the cross, the Bible says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. They nailed him to the cross and God allowed the sin of humanity, my sin, your sin, every nasty thought, every wicked thing you've done, every wicked thing you've looked at, everything that you've done, every time you've lied, cheated, whatever you've done. It's like it was thrown on his body. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34. 34- 789 Los Angeles, California 90034 Three-star general Michael J. Flynn Head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency Knew all the government's dirty secrets He was one of the most respected generals in the military Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to He understood its funding He ordered the first audit Of the use of contractors This set off alarm bells The explosive new documentary Flynn Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.